I'm so excited to be nominated. It's just an honor to be nominated. Honor to be nominated. And I'm Chandler, and you're listening to Honored to be Nominated, a new podcast coming at you every week that discusses any movie and every movie ever nominated for an Oscar. And today, this week, we are discussing Alfred Hitchcock's seminal Psycho from the 1960s. In honor of our final episode of Spooky Series. Happy almost (laughs) Halloween, everyone. This will come out the day before Halloween, correct? Yeah, yeah, tomorrow is Halloween when you're listening. Oh, so go ahead and go watch Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. My favorite horror film, even though it is deeply problematic. We'll get into it. I don't yeah, know we'll if deeply is the right word, because I love this movie, too. I love it. And like watching it a second time, I was or however many times I've watched it, but it's been a while. But watching it this past time, I was like, oh, this movie is great. Like, this, this is a great horror great. movie. Very, very good. Very controversial when it first came out. Very controversial yeah. when it first came out. The first time a toilet flush, I believe, was ever featured in a mainstream film. Really? Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, that toilet flush was like really controversial. And it was just like her, her ripped up paper, right? When she was like yeah, yeah, doing yeah. the math. That was like a big thing. They were like, oh, you have a toilet flushing. It was the 60s. Um, it was like the, the shower scene was a big thing. I think the... Um, yeah, very very controversial. It was also one of the first one of the first well what what made it controversial was not the first film to do this, but but it was um no late seating when it was for oh. it was like a big thing was there was yeah. no late seating. You can't come in after the movie has started. Interesting. Yeah, a lot so of this movie was nominated for best supporting actress, best director, best cinematography and best art direction but did not win any of them. I actually don't think Alfred Hitchcock has any Oscars, which is a shame. He has, I believe, an honorary, but real Oscar stands don't count those. Yeah. Sure. He never got one for Rear Window? I feel like at least that one. Rear Window, also a great film. We're not talking about Rear Window. Rear Window, good movie. Um, Great great movie. Great movie. All right, Ezra, you okay. want to give a little synopsis you before you give your opinion? <laughs> what's it all about? I mean, what's it all about? Psycho um, is hard to describe. Also, you probably know what it's about already. But it's about um, Marion Crane, who is sort of a workaday secretary in, uh, I believe, Phoenix, um, where she just kind of hates her life and, you know, is having this sort of loveless affair and then this drunk misogynist gives her ten thousand dollars to go deposit in the bank. And forty thousand dollars. Forty thousand dollars. Excuse me. Forty thousand dollars. Yeah. But she's like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm gonna go get out of Dodge. I'm gonna go make my fortune somewhere else. So she goes on this sort of adventure, um, and then she ends up in the Bates Motel, um, which is this sort of rundown side of the, where she meets Norman Bates, who's this kind of nice but awkward incel, and then she. Um, of course, gets murdered by him, and then we switch over to her sister. Of course. Um, in the famous shower scene, and then it turns out that Norman has some sort of ill-defined mental illness that we'll definitely get into that causes him to believe that he's his mother. Um, so Chandler and Claudia had both seen this film before. I had never. Um, obviously, I knew what it was about, um, and I've studied Crazy. the screenplay. Um, You've studied the screenplay but never watched the film? 
I don't know what you want from me. This is barely a screenplay, though. I love the screenplay. And so he, like, I think I'm going to have the hottest take on this movie, which is, I think it's, I think it's very good. Um, And I think specifically Hitchcock's direction is pretty masterful. Yeah. Um, It's amazing. And and Vivian Lee is an icon. The score. I mean, yeah. And I guess what I, I think this is a really good, good movie to end our spooky season with, because I think it will be a good sort of continuation of the Exorcist last week, because I think what this film raises for me is what do we look for in a horror film? And for me, what I look for in a horror film is I think horror as a genre works best when it is a metaphor. Um, When they're using the horror to discuss something, right? Um, To me, the best example of this is The Shining that uses horror to discuss alcoholism and both being an alcoholic and then also having a loved one who's an alcoholic. Um, And so all of the scares in that film come from this deeply psychological place. I guess, and I think the best way I can describe Psycho is it's like a magic trick where it is incredibly well done. It completely throws your expectations over. Uh, I watched it with my partner who somehow did not know the twist. And when she died was like through a fucking fit. Um, And I think Hitchcock does the magic trick of the movie really well. However, when the movie ended, I was like, that's not about anything. And I guess my problem with the movie is that I think it's very well done. And it's certainly spooky, scary skeletons, right? But it's not like, I don't think there's that much there there. Like, I think it's just Hitchcock showing that he's a really good filmmaker. He can build suspense really well, but then it kind of says nothing in a way that like Rear Window, which is my favorite Hitchcock, is about lawyerism and is about is about all of these things in a way that like, or in a way that like to me, um, Rosemary's Baby is about the fear of childbirth and the fear yeah. that you won't know who your partner actually is when the chips are down. Well, this is about a man who dresses up like a woman. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, just like this movie's about Norman Bates. It's not about anything else. Yeah, I I agree. And I, I see where you're coming from. I think, and I wrote this in my notes. I think in 1960, like this was probably pretty revolutionary for like mental illness conversations. Obviously today we've come so far that like not now it's not like, that obviously not revolutionary at all but like I don't know I feel like what Hitchcock was trying to do is like let's make a movie about a man who has multiple personality disorder and I don't know like I feel like back then it must have been saying something bigger obviously now it's not really saying something so big other than like we know more now about mental illness if that makes sense Mm. What do you? What are your thoughts, Chandler? What do you think the like movie is saying? I or is it just okay to be like a movie that's scary? Like sometimes no, I think gonna, it's okay for it to just be a movie that's scary. I'm gonna be uninteresting and say I think it's that. I mean, like I understand that that's sort of a cop out, but I don't know. I mean, I is it as <sighs> culturally as impactful as Get Out? Probably not. I mean, Get Out is no. much more important narratively to the culture but I, I don't know i think psycho i mean it's the first it's regarded as the first slasher film it yeah set the precedent as for horror moving forward and and and, I, and does it say anything good or deep about gender and mental illness no i mean it's it's very of its time and and, and in not a good way but i mean i think it's just a very very well made scary movie about this 
disturbed man in his hotel and how he has issue with women and wants to kill them. Um, <laughs> but I think, well, and also he does kill that detective guy, but <laughs> no, I just think it's a, yeah. I mean, yes. Is it, is it have a deeper meaning? No. Um, should it probably, but I, I just, yeah, I don't know. I, that's an interesting answer, but I just think it's a very horrifying movie that I, I really enjoy, but yeah, I don't know. Is it is it saying something largely culturally? No. But I guess that's okay. I mean, it's a, a very, very uh, important film for horror and important film of the time. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess I think I think we need to put a pin in the mental illness discussion because I think we need to come back to that. Sure. We'll come back to it. Uh, because the political content of this movie, even for 1960, is tough. That's um, that being said, is that I, I agree. I guess I think... I mean, like, to me, this felt like a... I was watching an important historical film, but not one that I particularly gave a shit about. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, I found myself watching it as like a film historian and be like, oh my gosh, look at the way that Hitchcock composed that shot. But I never like particularly, like I cared about Marion, but then after she died, which I think is really, I think the best magic trick in the movie, right? Is the oh, yeah. Marion Crane. But then after that, I kind of, I mean, I guess I liked the sister and I liked the detective, but then it felt that like, once we'd had that, which I think is really effective. It kind of, I think, makes the film feel very static until the end, which I think the ending is super rushed. Um, it kind of just ends. That's so, that's so interesting. I completely disagree. You know what's funny? Ezra, you were saying the same things that Claudia and I said about Exorcist. Yeah. No. Where it's like, oh, this is For an me, important it's the exact film. Opposite. This is an important film, but it's really boring and I don't care and the end is really rushed. Except I think the issue that we're facing here is that psycho is just a better film than the exorcist like well, so here's what i think here's crazy. what my whole <laughs> thought exorcist process is so was. boring exorcist was so boring. so boring so here's what my whole thought process was like while watching this film and like previously watching the exorcist which i had never seen before and like you know i hadn't seen this movie in a while so it was nice to revisit but we've talked a lot about we talked about it in um silence of the lambs we talked about it in the exorcist about how we get these like little windows into other people's lives and you don't really know who you really have to care about and who is just kind of like a throwaway. So in the exorcist, and we talked about this last week, I felt like it was just like, you had to care so much about so many people, but then also they made you care about things that like really didn't matter. in the, at the end, so like that wasn't as effective for me. Whereas Psycho, it's like, you know, Marion Crane is murdered within the first, I think like 40 minutes of the movie. Like it's pretty early on. Yeah. So you're like so invested in her life. You care about her so much. You want to know the rest of her story. You want to know whatever. And then she's gone and suddenly this story shifts and now it's Norman's story. And then it's, you know, then it's the sister. And I feel like they... I, I feel like Hitchcock just does a better job of giving you that little like piece and then quickly snatching it away. Yeah. Whereas like in the exorcist, it was like, here's a whole meal and you must finish it all. But it's the meal is like boring leftover garbage. Like, leftover it's, white I don't know. bread without butter. Uh, yeah. In the Exorcist is maybe my in my top five horror films of all time now. That's absurd, Ezra. That's absurd. It's absurd. Shining, fucking 
Insidious. Nope, Insidious Psycho, is not a top five. Shining, like, uh, anything else. Oh. Nightmare on Elm Street, the original. Like, well, I mean, I thought the Exorcist, the Exorcist affected me more deeply than a movie has in a long time. Wow. Um, That's crazy. That's, so I mean, like, each their own. It was made and, for you. And I guess my thing is that, like, I think comparing the Exorcist to Psycho, they're just they're different. They're very different films, trying to do very different things. Of course, I guess course. to me, my issue is that like we've built. So I think there are a couple of like structural issues with Psycho. Is that one is it becomes really clear what's going on about halfway through, like um, especially when the sheriff is like his mother died five years ago or whatever the fuck he says. It becomes a really un. It becomes, I think, really obvious. Then you're like, okay, great. So that's what's going on. Oh, I don't think that at all. I will say David watched this movie with me for the first time and did not see the twist coming. Yeah, I literally the the last moment when Norman Bates like comes and tries to murder the sister like and he's dressed up like as a woman. um, David was like, well, I didn't see that coming. And I was like, really? You didn't? Okay. The moment the moment they were like, his but mother, and she was like, oh, so he's the mother, right? Yes, but you knew the twist. Oh, but Olivia didn't. Oh. See, I did not pick up on it the first time I watched the film. I thought maybe there was like... I don't think I did either. When the whole part, when the whole parts of the sheriff's like, so what's, so what's at the house claiming to be the mother? I was like, oh, is this some sort of spooky supernatural thing? Like, is the mother not actually dead? Or is the mother a ghost? Or is it there's some sort of thing? And then you see the corpse of the mother, and then he comes in, and you're like, Oh, oh, that's horrifying. Oh, okay. I get what's going yeah. on. Because I feel like unless you know the twist, you I feel like they do a really good job of yeah. not giving it away. Because, like, you see him carry a second body. You see, like, the top of a woman's head that, like, or a quote-unquote like, woman's head. Like, it's... They, they show both bodies and you hear two room... You, you hear two um, voices, voices in a room. So, like you're made to believe that there's two people. So you're like, who is that? And then yeah. it's him. And you also get the whole part where uh, Norman is remorseful and is confused and scared after he finds the corpse of Mary and is like, oh my God, my mother has done something. So it feels as if there's two separate people, which I think is the idea that it feels as though there's two separate people is very much the point. But, but I never picked up on that. I mean, I, but then I think the other problem is that then you have the like, you know, Okay, we're gonna go investigate at the at the at the motel moment, which I think is really cool. But then that r- wraps up in like five minutes. You're like, whoa, Jesus! Okay, fine, we're done. And then you have what I think is universally agreed upon to be a real tough denouement, where the fucking professor you've never seen before walks on stage and reads you what's going on. Yeah, I I, that, that ending could have been Very... redone. Like, I could have done without that five minute monologue of falling action. Didn't <laughs> like that. It was just like, here's what is the movie is about but you know it's it was Shakespearean nice. you know the, the prince comes out and says that like yeah Romeo and Juliet are dead and then Capulet is the bad part of Shakespeare uh, well that's fair all parts of Shakespeare are bad I, we, what are we doing um, <laughs> I agree with Claudia is that I think that the issue then I think for me is that when it's all done the question I don't I don't think it's about anything and then I never was particularly scared like I was like interested and invested. I never felt scared once. That's you were insane. scared from The Exorcist. Yes, I was, I'm still scared from The Exorcist. This movie is what? one of the only, only, only films that like left a really lasting, scary impression to me. 
like the first time I watched this film and like at the very, like the whole sequence, the end and the very end where Norman just stares at the camera and is just like, I wouldn't harm a fly. Like horrified me. I remember me. the first time I saw this movie, I was like afraid to take a shower. Like, yeah. I like. Couldn't be me. What? Yeah, it's just such a such a scary movie, and I think large in large part to the score. I think the score really oh is resoundingly horrifying. How is um, this score not nominated? I truly. Um, uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm just gonna just... take if you guys were scared by it, you guys were scared by it. I wasn't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can't believe that I you weren't like, scared. So like you know. I guess I just don't understand what scares you then, Ezra. So wait, wait, wait. Ezra, were you... Being scare me and Chandler. To be clear, Ezra, were you affected by um, Exorcist or were you scared? scared I was both. I was scared. Oh, they said. Yeah. (sighs) Okay. All right. All right. Sure. I don't know. And, And that's another thing is I don't think like, for example, supernatural things don't particularly scare me. Like I don't really get scared by like demons unless it's insidious because insidious is good um like i thought paranormal activity is funny a lot of those supernatural things i don't find that funny or i don't find that scary i find them kind of funny um and so maybe that's what it is is like i because i don't believe in ghosts or demons so i guess that maybe that if you believe in that it is I also don't believe in demons. well it's not, you I go just... back and forth all the time so don't come I at guess, me okay. about this like, I think I think this is where we have to have to get into it, but um, quite frankly, with no disrespect to my two co-hosts, I don't find the fact that a mentally ill man wants to put on a dress to be that fucking scary. And Alfred Hitchcock is like, "Yes, the scariest thing I could imagine is a bad drag queen." Like, no, 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 no. Let me clarify. Let me clarify. <laughs> I don't think that, that, like Norman, as a dressed as a woman, is scary. I but think person. someone with a knife. Coming at me, Correct. stabbing me repeatedly is terrifying. Correct. And sneaking, sneaking up on them, like the whole, like, the whole, like people, like that's terrifying to me. Yeah. I, like people watching me, I do not like like that idea. Right. It's that not. Scares me. It's not that Norman is in a dress. It's just that Norman has a knife and he has killed three people. Yeah. Well, okay. So this is the other. So like, what's probably that? more. No. Probably more than three people. No. No. No disrespect to this movie. It was the first one. It was. It's the first slasher film. I love slasher films. I think in terms of the kills, these kills are the worst part of the movie. Is the movie grinds to a halt so they can slow motion stab somebody? I think every kill looks like shit. <laughs> I, I, I will agree. The podcast no. Ezra is the, those two. The, no, the shower scene. Chandler, Chandler, no, no. I have to agree with Ezra on this because the no, but the build up. Is what is it's so correct. is so like it's a masterpiece. But then yeah, the stabbing that- is just like beep, beep, beep. like it's it's very like comical. It's very yes. okay. I, I still was like cringing and like ah. So. so two things on that. First of all, um, I believe that they were uh, in my in my research. Um, it seems as though they they forced Hitchcock to cut back on those violent moments because mm-hmm. of the ratings and the stuff for the movies Probably. at the time. Kind of like with the nudity. Um, also, but I think the buildup is the 
is the thing. The build up is the scary part. The not build up the is the scary part. Those two shots, the the shower sequence and the and him walking up the stairs when you know that 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 he is in the next room is horrifying. That walking up the stairs sequence is iconic, where he's walking up the stairs. He's I don't disagree with any of that. And then stab. It's brilliant. But the the issue is that to me, there's mo- I mean, and again, I agree that I think it's because of the limitations of the time. So like, no yeah. disrespect to Alfred Hitchcock. I mean, disrespect in other areas, such as his treatment of women, but no disrespect well, to him as a filmmaker. Yeah. Uh, is that, I mean, like, I don't think it's his fault. And I think that, like, John Carpenter couldn't have got it so right in Halloween if Hitchcock hadn't made Psycho. But I think the issue is that you have this incredible buildup, and then, like, the stair scene's incredible, and then suddenly you get to see the worst high school knife acting you've ever seen. And I'm like, and girl, then the worst, what are we and doing? Then the worst- Slow motion fall. Oh, down I, the love the fall. I love the fall. The fall is brilliant. The fall is brilliant. How dare you? How dare you? I can't believe. Well, like, yes, you're not seeing like a brutal gore of the knife and like all this stuff when she but gets stabbed in the shower. But I think I, do what? I, I would say that I think the issue is, and I think you're probably right that it comes from having to censor the violence, but the way they composite the shots is just like close up of a knife and like the angles are wrong where like it's like here and it's like here I'm like you could not stab somebody that way like the shower scene completely falls apart once the knife gets into it because the angles are wrong and I'm like that would never pierce her skin yeah but I don't know I I, I kind of forgive it because I still kind of, I'm still horrified of that part where I like I like during all that I'm still sort of scared so I kind of forgive it I don't know I mean maybe it's it isn't does it look good no, it was a low budget. It, it is a low budget horror film, but it's like Saw. Sure, but I think that Saw came out in the in two thousand and six. Like it's not, it's not that when when did Saw come out? Nineties. The nineties. Well, there you go. I so. Um, yeah. I still like think that it, with the score and the directing, I still think it works. But I under I would understand why you would find that a little silly. Oh, uh, just just to backtrack, Chandler is actually more right than me and Ezra. Saw came out in two thousand four. Oh, that's Oh, perfect. I just I put in Saw one. Me too. It's a two thousand four. I just saw two thousand three. What what is the truth? What is oh. the truth? Look, my it co-hosts don't know film. Saw two thousand four. My co-hosts don't know film. Saw one, not Saw two, Saw three. Yo, saw two thousand four. It premiered Yo. at Sundance. Y'all heard it here first. Ezra doesn't know movies. Hmm. I mean, listen, I I know good films, and I I like I like William Friedkin's The Exorcist. But I'm sorry, I guess it wasn't spooky, okay. scary. Not a good film. Before this started, before we started arguing, you said this is a very very good film. And I, I'm not yeah, saying it's not. Well, then you but you said I like good films. This is a good film. The Exorcist. Uh, we sort of went to Saw for a moment, so maybe Ezra doesn't think Saw is a good movie. That was an incredible movie. So Thank God. <laughs> I think we need to talk about the camera angles first. Oh my God. <laughs> the, the camera work of this film is incredible. Stunning. The shot of him, like the one that stayed with me most from this past watch was when the camera followed Norman's like chin to like look at the, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. like book, and he was like chewing his candy corn it was so like it like made my skin crawl. Uh, can I uh, give a take about that scene? Yeah. yeah. So the worst scene flirting. in the movie. The worst scene in the movie is the monologue at the end. 
Oh. 1,000%. Yeah. I mean, the monologue is the worst thing in the movie. Chandler, Wait, no, the psychiatrist no, or Norman? The psychiatrist. Oh, 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 oh. Okay. oh yeah, I'm this, sorry. I thought you meant I thought you meant Norman's monologue at the end. No, Norman's final monologue is phenomenal. Norman's, yeah, I was, okay, I was about to, okay. Just make sure we're clear. No, no, the psychiatrist, the yeah, sure. That's the worst part of the film. Uh, Norman's monologue yeah. at the end is my favorite part of the film. To me, the second, and this is the hot take, the second worst part of the film is the bathroom scene. Didn't give a shit. My favorite scene in the movie is the candy corn scene. That that private detective is doing God's work. I was like, this is the best scene I've ever seen in the movie. It's great. Ezra, the shower scene is one of the most iconic scenes in all of cinema. I know. I think it's overrated. Oh my God. I, whatever. Moving on. The one part of the shower scene that I dislike is when she suddenly puts her arms out in front of her and she's just like, <laughs> she's uh, like laughing. Like, I was like, who takes a shower like that? But Ezra, I, that's that's crazy. That's well, crazy I, talk. I think also the problem is, is that, and again, I watched it knowing that that was the shower scene. So I can't, I can't unknow that. So it's possible that if I right. didn't know that was the shower scene, I would have felt differently. It to me was so obvious from the beginning that it was just like, I was like, Hitchcock, you just totally changed all of your cinematic language. It's very obvious she's about to get killed. Now, I could have been projecting. We'll never know. But, I, yeah. Because, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, I don't know. Because I didn't, I have was not aware of, of of the shower scene when I first watched the film. And I think it's, it, it's, it's handled so shockingly. Because the first half of the film is sort of slow and, like, sort of this build up. And then you get to this point where you're like, Oh my God, this woman is dead. Um, yeah. That I think is is just really really good and shocking. But I would understand if like if you're coming into that, you know that like okay, yeah, this is the shower scene. Like she's about to die. So the first time I saw it, I I think I obviously knew that there was like this iconic shower scene. I didn't know it was so early in the film, so that was definitely like a big like oh, this happens now. Okay. And then I think David had this a similar reaction because, like I said, this was his first time watching it. And it took about probably three quarters of the way through the shower scene where David was like, oh, this is the famous scene. I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think, so maybe Ezra, just because you're so in tune with like mm-hmm. movies and such and like the background to everything that like maybe some stuff like that that is so totally. iconic is just less exciting for you. Yeah. Which, you know. Yeah. It is what it is. And it's like, and I will admit that like, this is like, you know, this is my favorite horror film, but it is certainly telling that this is a low budget horror film from 1960, you know, that, that was heavily sort of controversy, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's, it's, it's very clear that this is a low budget is, you know, 1960 of its time. But, I mean, the cinematography, the direction, the camera work in this film is just outstanding. It should not be as good as it is, and it is made as good by the direction and the score. And so much of it, I wrote in my notes, is like a dance almost, because Mm -hmm. it's like with that score put underneath it. And like, Mm -hmm. like the scene where Norman is cleaning up the murder, and you still like unless you have seen the movie or unless you catch on super fast, you still like don't know it was him. Yeah. So it's just like this man who like didn't know this woman, like cleaning up and like going on with life. Cause he owns this motel, but obviously something's up. Cause like, he's not upset about it. Um, but yeah, like, so I felt like so much of this movie was just like, so 
beautifully like staged mm-hmm. and there isn't a lot of dialogue so it was just it's just so interesting for, to watch i think i think i love about that film is is that claudia is, is, is the setup is really good i think it's really yeah. solid setup it has yeah. the, it has a perfect sort of keeping you gripped and keeping the stakes up without telling you yeah. too much. And i mean if if anyone can build tension it's alfred hitchcock yeah. i mean <laughs> i literal the goat so should we address the elephant in the room, i.e. the mental illness and the cross-dressing? Okay. Ezra and I had a good discussion about this on the on the Snapchat. I guess we should just move to this platform. So here's the thing. We'll share our Snapchat receipts. Um, on the one hand, it was 1960. Sure. On the other hand, I think, to me, the two most damaging... The two most damaging tropes in modern horror films we've already started to discuss with Sounds of the Lambs are he did it because he was mentally ill or he did it because he was queer. And I think there is a unfortunately long up into like the fact that uh, M. Night Shyamalan's split is he's crazy because he has multiple personality disorder was a huge hit like four years ago shows that like we still have a long ways to go. And I think unfortunately both of those tropes kind of originate here and while i think on the one hand it was 1960 you know anthony perkins was closeted but was queer um Mm -hmm. all that being said it does really feel to me a lazy and b really dangerous in a way that science of the lambs doesn't if only because I think we live with Buffalo Bill in a little bit of a different way where it's like, oh, Buffalo Bill is crazy and he wears a dress versus they really connect those two in a way that like Santa Lane is still transphobic, but feels less mm-hmm. bad also because like, you know, all these tropes exist because people are trying to copy Psycho. I mean, it's called Psycho. You know what I mean? In a way that like, I think yeah. the demonization of queer people and mentally ill people specifically in horror films is a really big problem. And I think that we have to blame psycho for a lot of that. Sure. Uh, And the original book, this is based on a book with the same title. Yeah. By the way, for our listeners who did not know. Um, Yeah. Well, and I think psycho is interesting because they do specifically say that this character is not, um, they use the unfortunate word of the time transvestite. This person is not, we're going to say transgender. Uh, the, that Norman is not transgender. He's, the psychiatrist at the end specifically said that that is not the case. That yeah, he, he has... He says, he says, like, just because someone wears a dress doesn't make them automatically transgender. They use the inappropriate word in the film, of course, but... And I think, like, to point that out is, you know, it's not... doesn't make this, like, proof, no. like, there's no problems, but I think that's better. I mean, it, like, they addressed it, at least. I, I don't know. Right. And so I think not had him in a dress at all. Right. And so with that, they're trying to seem it more towards the 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 frightening thing in this movie is that this person has a mental disorder where they have multiple personality disorder, which is also not, you know, not great. We should not view people with mental disorders as the enemy. Um, It was made specifically clear that Norman is Norman specifically has multiple personality disorders. I don't know if they specifically list that as the as the the. Uh, diagnosis but it is very clear that Norman has that is a mental issue and that Norman has a multiple personality disorder 
Um, they didn't have a word for it. They didn't have vocabulary for it, at least in the film. My knowledge of like what they had in the medical field is, you know, lacking at that time. But they did make it make it very clear that like this, the person killing these people on the inside is not Norman. It's the mom. Like, of course, right. like, obviously, you know, it's, it's like, he has an issue. Like he, he doesn't believe that that's him. He doesn't believe that he is committing these heinous acts. Like it's, it's he couldn't, he couldn't control it. Yeah. It's the mom. You know, personality. A, right. It's, it's the mom, the mother comes out, I think is what they say. And like, yeah. now the mom has like taken over. Um, and Still so, problematic, but. Yes. And so I, I don't know. I asked Ezra because we were talking about 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 the transphobia of this movie, and I specifically asked Ezra, "Is it inherently transphobic for a a a, a man to be violent in a dress?" Um, and Ezra, you you had a mm-hmm. uh, you had a good point. Do you care to share that via yeah. that discussion? Um. So uh, for the listeners, there's a really good movie on Netflix called Disclosure that I really recommend everybody see. It's a documentary about um, portrayal of trans people in movies. Very good. Um, also, quick quick interjection. There's also an Apple TV series called Visible, I believe. Oh, cool. Um, that talks about uh, trans people in cinema and TV and how it's been like portrayed throughout time and all the problems and so on and so forth and how it can be better. So check that out as well. Yeah, interesting. Oh, I, I didn't know about that. Um, but so there is someone in it who um, I think is Jen Richardson, but it may be someone else. Um, talks about how we can connect violence, real life violence against trans people, to the way that trans people are portrayed on screen. And she talked about specifically Jared Leto, who Jared Leto won an Academy Award like while we were in college <laughs> for playing a trans woman. That piece or of shit. Or Eddie. How, how do you say his last name? Oh, Eddie. Red May. For, and, and, yeah. she, and she was like, the problem is that so Jared Leto gets up on stage with in a full beard with long hair to winning and winning an, an award for playing a trans woman. And then um, people are like, oh, so a trans woman is a man in a dress. And that right. means yeah. that if they go home with a trans woman, for example, there's a big problem of trans women being killed by their lovers who discover that they're trans women and feel like it, they're a man who tricked them into becoming a homosexual. Yikes. <laughs> And I think then also it's a very, I think, difficult moment right now because everyone's favorite fantasy author, J.K. Rowling, is kind of bringing back the trans women are a danger to people. And it's this idea that that men will pretend to be women so that they can be predatory towards women, which there is absolutely no facts to back up. 1,000%. Whatever. Has never happened. Literally never. But I think the issue is, and then... Her new book is about a man who dresses up like a woman to murder women. And a lot of people are like, oh, is she just rewriting Psycho? Um, Which is a... I didn't know she had a new book. Unfortunately. A murder mystery. It's literally a murder mystery about a trans man that murders women. Trans woman. Trans woman, I'm sorry. That murders... Women. Women. Uh, It's not great. But I guess the problem becomes is that the narrative of trans women are violent towards other women comes from a bunch of places but one of the places it comes from is culture and i think that we have to acknowledge that movies like psycho 
built up a that if you are a man who wants to wear a dress that's a mental disorder and two that the people who do that are violent and i agree that they do have that bit where it's like well he's not a transvestite but the issue is that i think the difference is that in silence of the lambs they say that before you see anything versus psycho Mm -hmm. has their cake and eats it too where they have the scene and then you have the shock moment of oh shit that's a man wearing a dress oh he's killing people and then like but don't worry Mm -hmm. he wasn't really trans in a way that but then i think the and then the and then I think what I what I said to Chandler is that I think the issue with I mean there are many issues with Psycho, but I think the issue with, with Psycho in terms of this is that it implies that his violence is connect is connected to his mental illness and connected to the fact he's wearing a dress. As compared to this is the bad example I used, and it could still be problematic, but if there was a Mrs. Doubtfire sequel where Mrs. Doubtfire was a secret agent and like was like taking down, you know russians while wearing a dress that would like not inherently be transphobic though probably would also be transphobic but right. like i keep coming back to emily vanderwerf who was who's a great trans writer um was on a podcast talking about sounds of lambs and she said trans women get to be murderers too she's like i i want us to be horror villains too which yeah, I you to- said that in our yeah. Silence of the Lambs, so. and i totally agree with that i guess the question becomes what do, else do you get to be do, not, do we believe that Alfred Hitchcock sat down and was like, you know what? I want to have an empowering story where, like, if the Wachowskis announce tomorrow that they're remaking, they're like making a trans woman serial killer movie, I'm there. The issue <laughs> is, yeah. like, right. and it's also a cis man doing it. And it's like, also, their portrayal, like, their definition of mental illness isn't real. And again, and we still have movies like Split, where James McAvoy, who's a really talented actor, is like wearing a dress. And that's how we know that he's crazy. And that's how we know that, that he's a serial killer. And it is part right. of a much larger conversation that I think, on one hand, is unfair to lay at Psycho's feet because it is just one movie. But on the other hand, if Psycho wasn't so important, we wouldn't be watching it today. Right. It so created think, a culture. Yeah. It's oh, set a precedent. So, I mean, Psycho is, I mean, arguably one of the most important horror films in history. I mean, it's, yeah. it's yeah. like the father of horror films. So absolutely. It's the first slasher film. It's absolutely important and has a cultural impact. Um, you said something specifically, though, Ezra, that you said just because a movie doesn't have a trans character doesn't mean it's not inherently transphobic, mm-hmm. which I thought yeah. was a good point. So just because Norman Bates isn't specifically a trans person does not mean that that movie is not or does not have transphobic tendencies. Yeah, oh, yeah, of course. Right. Um, and so, like, I think it is important that I think it is important, like, to the film that it is specific that Norman Norman Bates has this mental mental disability that 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 mm-hmm. he has a multiple personalities and so it is not he is transgender or he is dressing up as a man it is this personality in him that is a woman yeah. um this Which personality is in his mother if you have right? a personality within you that is a different gender than the one you were assigned to birth you are trans I want to be pretty clear about that well if you have sure okay well that's that's a separate discussion about. That's a separate discussion about people with multiple personality disorder, right? right I, yeah. I, I'm not a doctor, and so I don't know how deep we can get into, like... Well, also, I think some discussion as to whether or not multiple personality disorder is real. It is. I, but I think there's, like, moderate... And I don't... I believe I read an article about this, is that, like... It's not real? believe that, like, a lot of it is, like, misdiagnosed, and it's actually, like, other things going on. Sure. Okay. Well, I don't, I don't, again, I don't know, but I'm yeah. sure that yeah. like, if none of us are medical professionals if, just for the record, big, if here, if, if, um, 
multiple personality disorder is real and you can have multiple personalities in you and some of them are men and some of them are women, I'm sure that that is a different discussion than than someone being just transgender, right? That is obviously a very different discussion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yes, I, I, so I understand the, 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 the problem is that this is continuing to perpetuate this ideology that that a man in a dress being violent is uh is is directly related to the fact that it is scary for a man to wear a dress right and we said this in our silence of the lambs episode but like like you just said ezra like trans people get to be villains too trans people get to be like villains or, or like in horror films like but when that's the only thing you're seeing for like the general public then that's where the problem is because like in 1960 there wasn't another film about like you know friends and some college drama or yeah. whatever <laughs> with a trans character just being a trans character or like a trans right. person trans actor just being an actor period the end like no like parentheses after it or whatever this was the only representation that trans people had right now and i'm you know trans is in parentheses because like we've said so many times we're not entirely sure who what norman bates is who norman bates is but when this is the only thing people are seeing like that's the only thing people can believe yeah and and i think that's important too right is that that the cultural impact of of transness means that if you portray this in a violent way you are continuing to perpetuate that cycle right we don't have like you know if you're just a white cis man you have multiple representations of like i can still be you know michael myers and also be um Mm -hmm. ryan gosling in the notebook and so that like that you have that sort of variety of representation and therefore it is not as inherently violent to portray me as michael myers absolutely yeah um, I just I just I googled it. I don't know what the fuck I was talking about. Dissociative identity disorder is absolutely a real thing. Yeah. Okay. I, I was gonna it, say. I think that was. Was like, all right. Ezra read something that we don't know uh, about yeah. yet. Yeah. So, I believe what I read after doing some quick googling is that a lot of the ways that it is portrayed in cinema is actually closer to schizophrenia. Yeah. Where oh, okay. like the way essentially it's the it is a real thing the way it is portrayed in movies is kind of like a mishmash oh, of yeah. dissociative identity disorder schizophrenia you know yeah. bipolar all these other things that are kind of mashing right. like this is multiple personality disorder in a way that it's like just clumped together in one thing when it's yeah. like much more complex than that yeah. another issue with this 100%. film is it also doesn't handle mental illness in a good way and we don't have a lot of great representation illness <laughs> And so, like, not everyone that is mentally ill is going to be inherently violent. And and right. it's the same sort of representation situation. Is That's the only sort of representation you see. Yeah. In The Shining, he he is violent because he is mentally ill. Psycho, he is violent because he is mentally ill. The Shining, he is violent because he is mentally ill. You know, The Silence of the Lambs, he is violent because he is mentally ill. Um, can we quickly shout out Vivian Lee? Who yeah. played Mary? Yeah, Marion. My fucking girl. She is amazing. Do you know who her daughter is? Jamie Lee Curtis, who is the girl in Halloween. I love it. Jamie Lee? This is Jamie Lee Curtis's mother? Yeah. That's crazy. And her father is Tony Curtis, one of the great actors. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So this family has a monopoly Mm -hmm. on the, like, female horror leads. They, like, created what what it is to be a scream queen. 
because uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's character in, in Halloween is like one of the most iconic like horror movie characters of all time, and I've never even seen that film. Me neither. Oh, yes, the original Halloween rules. It's so good. <laughs> we should watch it. Yeah, I want to. Ezra says it's the best slasher film, but I don't know. Uh, I don't really like slasher films. I'm much I don't more of like either, but I love Psycho. So. Like, yeah, this I like. Is, is Saw not a slasher film? Is that so not Saw? If, it depends on who you're talking to. Um, Saw, no, no, no! Don't spoil it for Chandler, please. Don't spoil no, no, it. No, no, but it's considered torture porn. Okay, so not slasher. I mean, it's not not a. There's slasher. a little gore. There's gore, but there's well, also some stuff that's like really makes you, really makes you think, and it's real fucked up. Okay. It's real good. Well, it's real good. Yeah. Watch on Saturday. Uh, the first, the honestly, I'll say this: Saw one, two, and three, all good. After that, yeah. After that, fine. real bad. I, good. I, <laughs> I want, real bad. I watched Jigsaw. That's the only one I've seen, Sucks. and it is that movie's not good. good. Not good. That movie's bad. It's not so. Saw is like nothing like Jigsaw, like the newer Saws. Oh, really? Ezra said it best. As Saw one, two, and three are. Three is like where it starts to get a little weird, but and they good. start to like, but it's still good. But Saw 1 and 2 are like... My hot take like is that 2 is better. 2 is better? Saw 2 is better? I I, I could get on board with that. If all the hmm. movies have a twist in them, the twist in Saw 1 is iconic. The twist in Saw 2 is crazy. The twist crazy. in Saw 2, you're just like... What? <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. Well, have to watch, I want to watch all of them, then. I want to watch Let's do it. Years. We'll watch all of them. We're going to just binge them I all. Only an hour and a half? That would take four and a half hours? Like, that's not crazy. It's not bad. Why was this not nominated for score? I really don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand. Correct me if I'm wrong, Ezra. Was this not like, like, I mean, as this being one of the most seminal horror films of all time, the score of this, I think, is so pivotal and, and yeah. clearly, clearly influenced every other horror film that came after its score. My- there were, There were parts that, like, sounded very familiar so i wonder if yeah. it couldn't have been nominated because it wasn't original question no, mark? I, think, I would have to do more research i think what it is is that it's a very aggressive score yeah, yeah but it, it's so good i think it works for the movie i could see the academy because i was just looking at what got nominated for score and it's a real like like spartacus and mm-hmm. exodus which wins so i think oh. it's like much, I think they're. I think it, it may have may have been too non traditional. Yeah, they were they were looking for something a little bit more subtle. Um, and Claudia, I think it sounds familiar because I think every horror movie after this has stolen it before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's original because of, or I I recognize it because of this, not because, because of every other horror film. Other. Yeah, I think okay. this this horror film is like the like because Exorcist used stuff from this score. I know yeah. Insidious uses stuff from this score. Like it. This score is well, just because at one point she like holds the record and it says like Beethoven. So I was like, oh, is this like Beethoven but like morphed? No, I don't think so. I mean, maybe I'm not a musical expert, but this just sounds like insanity in a violin. What was what? it nominated for, Ezra? And the Oscar goes to so best cinematography, black and white. The nominees are Psycho. Inherit the Wind, The Facts of Life, The Apartment, Sons and Lovers. I mean... Oh, this is the same year as The Apartment. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. And Inherit the Wind. Inherit yeah. the Wind is supposed to be good, right? Inherit the Wind rules. Um, 
In terms of like cinematography, though, it kind of has to be Psycho, I think. Oh yeah. I know. What, what? <laughs> the apartment, the apartment was good, but it, the cinematography, no. And I've not seen Sons and Lovers. Sure. Still. <laughs> but the cinematography of Psycho is like kind of the the, the best film. part. I know. Yeah, one thousand percent. The cinematography is like like stellar. Some of the most iconic shots in cinema are in this film. Best art direction, black and white. The nominees are Visit to a Small Planet, Sons and Lovers, Psycho, The Facts of Life, and The Apartment, which wins. I like the, I would uh, say the art direction, sure, The Apartment. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's not because they're like, the apartment's going for like realism, like let's build these office spaces, while the Psycho is like, let's go expressionism. So they're just very different. Yeah, it's yeah. hard. I think they're both good. I think like they both have really good art design. Yeah, I agree, yeah. But I'm not like upset that the apartment won. I don't know, no. That's that's tough. That's no. tough. Best supporting actress. The nominees are Mary Year for Sons and Lovers, Janet Lee for. Uh, was I saying Vivian Lee? Vivian Lee is the character from Gone with the Wind. It's Janet right. Lee. Um, Vivian Lee, good actor. Uh, Janet <laughs> Lee uh, for Psycho. Uh, Shirley Knight for The Dark at the Top of the Stairs. Uh, Glynis Jones for The Sundowners. And Shirley Jones for Elmer Gantry, who wins. Um, I think Janet Lee should have won this. TBH. I mean, I haven't seen any of the others, so it seems unfair. I thought she was good. <laughs> I thought she was very good. I thought she was great. I, I can't believe I caught her Vivian Lee this whole fucking time. But yeah, she's good. Um, I do question whether or not she's the lead she supporting she's not made for supporting she is i wonder if you could argue this movie has two leads because she I, is i agree yeah i would say she's the lead yeah because even after she's dead it's still about, about her. her yeah yeah well that's that was like one of my first notes i was like why is she supporting actress like she's this whole movie and then i forgot that like the murder scene is so soon like i feel like that is really one of the biggest like mm-hmm. oh shit like the, like the lead character from the yeah. first 40 minutes is just killed off right away so i i argue that she could be lead actress yeah. i would say she's she's the lead yeah yeah who's, I in the lead, who's in the lead actress category uh elizabeth taylor for butterfield eight who wins greer garrison for sunrise of campanola uh, Deborah Kerr for The Sundowner, Shirley MacLaine for The Apartment, and Melina Marucci for Never on a Sunday. Mm. I don't, I don't mm. know if you can move any of those other women. Yeah. Uh, I'm not informed. Um, Elizabeth Taylor? I thought we liked it to Elizabeth Taylor. I like Elizabeth Taylor. That's famously like what her, one of her worst performances and she got an Oscar for. Oh. Okay, great. Great, great, great. Um, best Director? The nominees are Fred Zinnerman. For The Sundowners, Jack Carter for Sons and Lovers, Alfred Hitchcock for Psycho, Jules Dassin for Never on a Sunday, and Billy Wilder for The Apartment Who Wins. Here's the problem. Is it again, it's just two very different things. We're like, with Billy Wilder, these. We're like, Billy Wilder has to like, you know, keep that pace up and like build a romantic comedy, which is like not easy to do as a director. No. No. And he like those but... performances are kind of unimpeachable. But of course, what Hitchcock has to do with Psycho is very different. So, like, but also very difficult. What Alfred Hitchcock yeah. does with Psycho is is hard. I mean, horror movies keeping that tension, keeping that suspense is very, very hard. Um, 
And so I don't I mean, know. I, I mean, think Alfred Hitchcock deserves an Oscar. Like, I think we need to go back and like rewrite history and give Alfred Hitchcock an Oscar because it's bullshit. He doesn't have one. Yes. I mean, but like, in my opinion, like give it to him for this, give it to him give it to him for rear window, give it to him for even the birds. Like I think the birds is a great movie. Like he deserves an Oscar period, end of story. But like what we just said, Billy Wilder like does an incredible job at the apartment as well. So it's just hard to like say like, take that one away from him. But I would, I would say that if we're taking it away from oh, him, easy, easy. The, the apartment, the apartment is not as an iconic of a film as psycho. Um, we give him the Oscar for Rear Window because do you know who he loses to for Rear Window? Who? Leah Kazan. Bye, bitch. Bye. <laughs> what? For on the waterfront. No. No. The, the movie that's about how it's actually okay to collaborate with the government. Yeah. Did you? Was that? Was that right after he read no, Scared? He wrote everybody? a movie about testifying and why actually he was right. TBT. Oh, Elia. Um. Side note, did you both notice where Alfred Hitchcock was in this movie? No. Alfred Hitchcock appears in every every one of his films. It's like yeah. a little he's like an extra. And he never says any lines. He's just like in on the outside, like with his hat on, and then he like walks out of frame. No, where was he in this? It happened at minute seven forty-three. If you want to go back and look. Was it the car dealership? Where is that? Uh no, it was right before Marion went into like the office. Oh, okay. She, oh, he's like on the out. He's like on the outside, just standing on the street. Yeah, that was like Alfred Hitchcock's like thing, and then several directors right. um, st- stole that trope. But yeah, he just he's always in his films and just as like a extra, but with no lines. Mm. I did not see him there. The best, and by best I mean worst version of that is M Night Shyamalan. Tarantino. Oh, I was going to say Tarantino. So, Emily Shyamalan has spent his entire career trying to rip off Alfred Hitchcock. And got, he started off, he's like, oh, you know, I'll make a cameo. And then by Lady in the Water is the third lead of the film and plays an author who nobody appreciates his books. And if anyone, everyone no. just read his books, they would save the world. And you're like, M. Night, M. Night, calm down. No, relax. We're good. Stop. You know, the best... Because when I... When I- pointed out to david he was like oh like did I, what, what were his lines like did i miss the scene and i was like no no he never does a scene because david was like oh is it like tarantino and i was like no no he just he's just like a little cameo just just a little, little person on the outside the best version of that um is surprise surprise peter jackson in the lord of the rings when he in the third one when he gets shot by legolas's arrow and it's just like this like grimy pirate and he's just like Peter Jackson's best cameo is as the guy who stabbed Simon Pegg in Hot Fuzz. That is good. But I mean as a director. Or him eating the carrot and brie in the fellowship, where he's just like <sighs> I mean Tarantino as an Australian cowboy in Django is tough. Yeah. It's not not in that movie, but that's tough. <laughs> that's not tough. good. That's all the nominations, right? Yeah. Unfortunately. Chandler, what have you been watching this week? Can't you shut up? I'm busy. Boy, what a great show. I recently, because of Spooky Season, I recently watched the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Good movie. Actually, pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Um, also been watching Succession. And I finished Shit's Creek. Nice. Claudia, what have you been watching? Um, so... Uh... 
for the listeners that don't know, we're recording together. Today is the 28th of October. We took a little like week and a half off because Ezra was away. So I've had a lot of time to watch. I've been watching quite a bit. I finished Haunting of Blind Manor, which I loved. My co-host did not, but that's okay. I also watched Hereditary for the first time as in honor of in honor of spooky season. I I, I didn't like it. I, I didn't it. like it. Hereditary. Yeah. Eh, it was all right. I, I, I was end, just like I think the end ruins it. The end ruins yeah, it. Yeah, I, I don't the like the, the end. Movie. The end is not good, but the rest of the movie is great. Yeah. Um, and then what else? I've been just watching some more of Shit's Creek. I'm on season four now, I believe. Sure gets good. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I've been watching. What about you, Ezra? Um, so as Claudia pointed out, uh, we've been away. Um, I'm trying to pull up a list of everything I've watched. Um, I watched Trials. I meant to make a list. Uh, I, I have I an app. Um, so I, I've watched, you know, the big ones that I think a lot of people did. The Trial of Chicago 7, which is really good. Oh, oh yeah. we. I think Chandler and I both watched that as Yes, well. I also watched that movie. So good. It's good. I think the ending ruins it a little bit, but I do like it. I watched, da, 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 um, uh, invasion, the original, uh, not the original, but the 1970 alien, uh, invasion of the body snatchers, which rules so fucking good. Um, I watched What the Constitution Means to Me, which is a play a lot of people like, um, filmed for yeah. Amazon. Uh, a lot of people like it. <laughs> I watched uh, David Byrne's American Utopia, another another play that was filmed, Broadway play that was filmed for TV on HBO, and it's amazing. Um, I watched uh, the second Borat movie, um, which was fine. Uh, I also watched Borat for the first time in the past two weeks. Watched half of Borat for the first time. I just haven't finished. And then we, we started the new one as well, but haven't finished it yet. It's all right. I'm not. Yeah. I didn't like the first one. I'm not. I don't think I'm a Borat person. I never. I've never seen the first one. Um, the second one, I'm not mad. I watched it. Um, there are some really good scenes in it. Um, I also watched the first two Austin Powers films. You've never seen the first two Austin Powers films. Is that shocking? No, no. Why would it be? I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, of course, you haven't. of course you haven't. They're. Um, I, I thought they were fine. They're fine. Um, and then I have my big discovery is a new TV show on Netflix called The Queen's Gambit, which is the best thing I've seen in ten years. I love it so much. Really? I mean, no, it's not the best thing I've seen in ten years, but it's really good. It's about. It is the highest of camp. It is, there's literally, so it's like, you know, those like movies that are like, he's a great artist, but he's also a drug addict. Which one will win? And it's that, except it's, she's an alcoholic and a drug addict. Will she ever succeed in becoming the world's best chess player? And you're like, so like half of it is just like very dramatic, like playing of chess pieces. Uh, There's a character in it who is a chess playing cowboy who just walks around with with a hat and like boots and is like you should have noticed that rook there missy and then just like walks away and so it's just what? Boy looking glamorous as shit taking pills and then playing chess it rules it's so good <laughs> anyway thanks for listening friends i hope you enjoyed our spooky series be on the lookout for our november lineup 
I don't know what's going to be a part of it yet. I think we need to talk about it, but that will be shared very, very soon. Follow us on Instagram at htbn.podcast. Make sure you're subscribed on whatever platform you're listening on. And we will talk to you all next week. Bye. Bye.